0: What are we doing here?
1: What are we doing? We're recording a podcast, Mitch. Oh, That's geez. what we're doing.
0: Long time coming.
1: Yeah, it's been a little while. I don't I'll give you a little preview then. Okay. So, I did an internship in DC and I was sitting in my office that didn't have a door on it cuz I was an intern and I could hear someone outside Interns my office. Don't get doors. No, of course not. <laughs> or lamps or anything. Uh-huh. So I could hear some, I don't remember who it was, they were talking outside my door and they were talking about podcasts and how they really liked to listen to them on the commute, because the DC commute was, oof, I worked in Chantilly, Virginia, <laughs> and I lived in Capitol Hill, so I drove a couple hours every day, it was rough. And so that next morning, I'm like, oh, maybe I should try to find a podcast that like, I could learn from. Something as, you can like,
0: relate to. Yeah,
1: as a young creative. So I go into Spotify and I'm looking and there's nothing. It's all it's all user interface design or super specific on some form of design that I don't want to waste 40 minutes of my life listening about. I want to like learn little tidbits that could apply to all forms of the design world because I don't know where I'm going, so it would be nice to Chantilly. know. Chantilly. Yeah, Chantilly, Virginia was <laughs> where I was going. <laughs> it was not fun. The internship was fine, but the, the drive was not. Anyways, so then I I was sitting at my desk, and I got out my little notebook. I have it sitting right next to me, and I doodled Pantones and Pancakes. I just started thinking, like, oh, that would be a really good podcast name. So
0: if you were flipping through Spotify and you found Pantones and Pancakes, you'd be like, oh, that's the podcast I want to listen to. Yeah,
1: because Pantones is so broad. Every designer along every platform uses them in some way. And, and then you have brunch. What bitch doesn't love a good brunch? Yeah, like nobody.
0: Pancakes are delicious.
1: <laughs> they are. So that's where like the name came from. And then it all just I brought it into my creative director Brian Fallon. I walked into his office. I'm like, "I got this idea." He's like, "Well, tell me." So I told him and he just started going off about all these ideas that he could like he could even think of that could be topics. And I remember the first thing that came out of his mouth was he was like, Well, what the fuck's a budget? Like, what's a budget? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. And he's like, We'll make a podcast about it. And I'm like, Yeah, you're so right.
0: Yeah, about a budget.
1: And now it's. Um,
0: Did you ask him what the budget for the podcast was?
1: <laughs> uh, differential tuition.
0: <laughs> so then
1: after that, I, I made the branding and then it sat. It sat all over the first semester of school. And then I'm like, if I don't do this right now, I'm not gonna. Pancakes. Ooh, speaking of that, look at what you Listen showed up. Listen to the sound
0: of the pancakes arriving.
1: Ooh.
0: Can you, <laughs> can you hear the butter melting? ASMR. Thank you. Go. Brian found. Yeah. Fallon. He's like, hey, go ahead and do it. I'm not gonna do it for you. Yep. Go ahead and do it.
1: And so I thought, well, who would be the perfect, like, 180 of me like Mitch would be a great co-star uh, <laughs> who's someone I like would wouldn't mind listening to for 40 minutes in my car I'm like that'd be Mitch
0: someone you can stand a lot, briefly yeah. for short periods <laughs> for of short time. periods of time yeah
1: well so, yeah. I don't really
0: think that I like to hear myself talk and I don't like to just get up and extemporaneously talk about stuff but when it's things that I'm interested in like design and jokes, <laughs> I can't have a long conversation about that. The more we ignore the microphone and just talk, I think the, the, the better we're going to have, the better conversation we're going to have. But we should probably be somewhat prepared. I suppose you're going to have guests and like scripts and things.
1: I mean the outline, I'm keeping it bare-boned because I feel like the best conversations comes from those that aren't planned. And then the, I mean there's a little bit of a topic and then the guests are just People that have inspired me, people that I wish I would have met earlier on in the game, and things that I wish I would have learned just starting college. And I'm thankful that I did, but I can't imagine where I would be right now if I hadn't learned those things. So that's why I want to like help my fellow young creative
0: We're here at Red Stew Breakfast Bar in Bemidji, Minnesota. They've kindly allowed us to sit at their bar, jack into their power source, <laughs> use their Wi-Fi and speak about design while eating their food.
1: Every episode, I'll have a different person who's made an impact in my life as a designer, as a guest. And it'll always be Mitch and I.
0: With luck, I'll get to hang in there or she might fire me for some other (laughs) co-host.
1: And welcome to episode one.
0: What's on the agenda for our first, very first podcast, Kaylee?
1: Well, it's act like a duck. What the whole act like a duck means is something that I learned when I was at technical college. If you know anything about ducks, you know that their feathers have adapted to have water hit them and roll off. Ah,
0: water off a duck's back. Yes. Gotcha.
1: And that is the origin of my first design instructor, Paul Johnson, taught me about how to act like a duck as a designer and how... Your willingness to improve and learn how to improve through criticism from clients, from other designers, from your mom and dad, how you can use it or not, and how you can learn to improve from it.
0: And sometimes it's just about staying afloat, right?
1: A lot of the time, yeah. <laughs> and, how, and how you have to be careful about not letting the criti- criticism ruin your creativity because that can be a really bad thing form of writer's block for a designer, especially when you're young and you're still learning.
0: So today we're talking about criticism. Yes. What are some other things that ruin your creativity?
1: Well, stress, of course. I think that's one of the biggest creativity killers, especially stress that isn't design-related. So it's one thing to be like stressed because of a deadline. It makes you produce. But there's another thing if your mom's sick or you can't pay your bills and little things like that that and as a college student and as a young professional, you, you still have those types of things. I mean, maybe you always have those types of things on your mind.
0: Yeah, people talk about the work-life balance and some people say that's important. Some people say that's not a good analogy, but there is some kind of balance, right? I mean, you need to eat breakfast and dinner. You need to sleep. <laughs> You need to have people around you that care for you and take care of you. Pets are important. Right? You've got to be able to binge watch something once in a while. Yeah, world. yeah. Feel like you're living a whole life. I think as a designer, living a whole life means sort of living in design all the time and being able to make a living at that. Always being intrigued by design. Always participating in design one way or the other. Whether it's Designing how I'm going to snow blow up my driveway after the snowpocalypse last week. Or figuring out what I'm going to put in the faculty art show coming up next uh, month. Or designing curriculum for students. Or working freelance, designing logos. I think that as designers we probably are sort of cursed in that we can't really just leave our work at home and just go home. Our work is always sort of with us, so we better enjoy what we're doing. We're always doing our... And we, I think we sort of are fulfilled by, you know, being creative fulfills us. And we couldn't as easily take a job that didn't have any meaning to us. I've got friends that they live for the weekend. They don't care to talk about their job. They don't care what it is. They just will need the money and the time on.
1: And I, I feel that's a big problem, and as a student, you, you are surrounded by people who think that that's what this is going to be when they're done. Like, they don't care to think about design after class. Like, they, they design during class, or they design during work, and then they go home, and then they don't. It doesn't even cross their minds, and maybe that should be a warning sign for them, or a warning sign for you as a young creative. Like, that's not how you should take it because you should be enjoying what you're doing yeah. right if that's like the purpose of living
0: I had a student who shall remain nameless who said you know I feel like I really worked hard this semester and I really want a good grade and yet every time I gave her just a small piece of criticism on a first round and expected a second draft she would tell me I don't have time for this I don't have time to go back I've got new projects I don't have time to go back and fix this and I of told her if you don't have time to revise and edit and improve your design now what are you doing here like you shouldn't have to have me tell you this you should want to make this as good as possible especially if you can see it if you can't see the mistakes that's one thing but if you can see them and you don't take the time to fix them probably in the wrong line of work
1: <laughs> so that leads us in to Paul Johnson he's gonna be our first first ever guest but our first guest on this episode he was my as I said before my first design instructor when I was attending Alexandria Technical and Community College and he was the mother of the program he was nurturing and wanted to know about your life and he had a couch in his office there were countless nights that I know he would just sleep at the school he'd sleep at the school and wake up and just keep going and I have so much respect for him because of how he balanced everything between living a life. He freelanced, he did all the Fargo Marathon illustrations. Great person. So with that, Paul Johnson.
0: Right on. Let's see if we can ring him up.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. I
0: think he's driving somewhere.
1: Duluth, I think, actually. Hey Paul. So Why I wanted you to share your story was because it impacted me so much. And if you want to share a little bit about yourself, that would be
2: cool. Okay. Uh, My name's Paul Johnson, and and, uh, it's nice to be with you both. And uh, I thought Mitch uh, described you perfectly, uh, Haley. (laughs) Um, You are, uh, I was just telling my my wife coming up here uh, to Duluth, we were just visiting about this podcast and I was telling her uh, that Kaylee is just one of these uh, great students uh, and one of Andrea and myself's favorites uh, just because of her work ethic and her independence and her creativity, there we go, that's a better screen. And uh, uh, that same thing. And uh, anyway, I'm I'm about, uh, this is my, I'm 16 and a half years into my teaching career here at Alexandria and technical college and uh, it's just been an amazing career for me and uh, I've uh, been a designer since uh, I got right out of college back in uh, 1982 and uh, I've worked independently, I've worked for corporate, I've worked for advertising agencies and uh, I I have my own business uh, just like Mitch and uh, it's been uh, a, a great career and uh, what you talked about early on uh where you were you were talking about this this think like a duck or act like a duck uh something uh i'm trying to remember the exact person who got me going with that but in my career i remember having several employers i learned a lot from them but they were uh pretty critical of your work obviously i mean that was how you make your living and your, your, your designers have to be top notch and and, uh, I remember one of them, uh, in particularly, uh, he would, he would give you a raise or you wouldn't get a raise or you'd keep or lose your job based on how well you did in the advertising federation and, uh, the ad, the addies, the ad fed awards. And, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how this whole thing started. Um, if you, you got the awards, Left your job and you got a raise. And if you didn't get any awards, you lost your job. And uh, um, that was a lot of stress to deal with, with my pretty much my second job out of college. And uh, I think there was somewhere along the line there, there were several people that I worked with. One was a was bad a, a, a rep, uh, another was a copywriter. And one of those uh, two individuals told me, You got to think like a duck and i said what are what are you talking about and he said well if you let all the comments and all the stress and everything get to you you'll you'll ruin your creativity and that was huge at the time i never thought i'd be teaching uh, but all these lessons that i learned uh, i've passed on to my students and and, uh, i'm sure this came about when our students usually we're, we're dealing with the Advertising Federation, and I talk about this all the time with parents and young students that are coming to us. Uh, it's, creativity is the hardest thing, and you can lose it so quickly by just getting down on yourself. And how do you how do you walk that narrow that narrow path of keeping invigorated and and uh, passionate and, and keeping that inspiration going? And uh, when you're getting comments from instructors like this could be better, that could be better, etc. And uh, so I related it back to this uh, employer that I had uh, was a, just your stereotypical advertising guru. I mean, he was he, was, he David Ogilvy. He was he insisted that I read that book from cover to cover many times, and, and uh, I mean, he was just your 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 great great employer, really, um, for me to start out with, and I, I just learned that you had to let all this stuff roll off your back and grow from it, and try not to take it personally, and it's it's one of the hardest things a, a designer has to do, even at my age of 58, let alone 18, 19, 20 year old students, uh, it's a really tough thing to do, so. Um, a little bit of layout here,
1: so, with criticism, it's a lot different from getting it from your employer versus when you're in college. And do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? How it differs to get criticism when you're in college, and how it changes when you get into like the real world.
2: Well, we're probably—I uh, speaking for myself—I know I'm I'm way too kind uh, to my students. Uh, I've been told this by many students, and uh, uh, I. I've had a few times where uh, I lose my temper and I get after my students, and they 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 always say that was probably the best thing I ever heard from you because I kind of changed from my uh, my uh, uh, Minnesota nice character to just this uh, uh, grouchy old old guy. But um, and it usually comes with lack of passion when my students are not passionate enough about their projects, and they just don't fulfill. Uh, my expectations uh, for them, and that's when it usually hits the fan. But uh, um, I know Andrea; she is the other side. She's very much like a Craig Bierke, uh another teacher that retired, and I'm sure Mitch, uh, uh, Kaylee's told you about him. Uh, she kind of fills that void where you miss your deadline; it's a complete zero. And, and believe it or not, I'm I'm ready to adopt, adapt that that that. Uh, that, that whole idea, because it's so hard to uh, try to to be fair when you're letting both, uh, people get their project in, regardless of how good they are. So Has, has that be-
0: changed for you, Paul, um, through, by, through years of teaching, um, your approach and your experiences that changed? Is that what you're saying? As you get older, you need to probably be more stern about deadlines and project yep, deadlines. I,
2: I really do. And I'm not doing any of my students any favors. Um, I've I've always when I like I said, I, I, I went to college to become a designer and I was I wanted to become a, a illustrator, creative director. That was that was my goal. I never thought teaching would fall into my uh, my lap and it did and I told myself I wanna be the teacher I never had at the college that I went to and, uh, which was not Bemidji State, by the way, (laughs) or, or Alexandria, (laughs) Uh, it was another school, and, uh, where I was just a number, and I, so I, I teach by how I was not taught to, so, uh, I really care for my students, um, I want to see them succeed, and I, I live really through them, when they do well, uh, I'm excited, and when they fail, I, I turn into that grouchy art director, and, uh, but I need to be more firm on our on on those deadlines uh, because some, some students take advantage of that, and and it certainly wasn't uh, any of my former students that were that are are up at uh, Bemidji State. It's um, a
0: balance, though, isn't it? Um, I've got this narrative in my head, especially around grading time, where it's um, I've been an art director and I've had to say, look, I asked you for this. And this is what the client wanted and you didn't give it to me you gave me what you wanted to give me and that's not appropriate right it was a lot easier to be stern as an art director in college with these students it's like uh well yeah. i want to show you that stern approach but also aren't i supposed to be nurturing you nurturing your talent trying yep. to uh cheerlead you and and it, the real frustration I, I agree isn't with whether or not the work is good it's whether or not they're showing passion about what they're
2: right doing. and uh and that's, I think, you know, if I were to go back and magically look back at all those times where I lost my temper with my students, it was, it was all related to that. Just lack of passion, their work ethic, which follows uh, right behind it. And uh, that's always the case for me. And, uh, and I've had many former graduates tell me that as well as that, they learned, they learned what it was about, that passion. That's probably the thing that I bring to our team. Uh, but I still have to find that happy medium for me. They, uh, I like to get into my, my students' lives, and I like to know that I'm there for them, and, and so does Andrea. And uh, that can be hard sometimes when you, you want to, you know, give them a hug and tell them to keep going, and you just gave them a zero five minutes before, you know.
0: And, uh, we, really we have this joke, um, at what time of the semester is it appropriate to come in and throw a book against the wall and get their attention, right?
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can't well, do it
0: every day because they won't believe you, you know, they won't, they won't follow no, that either.
2: Exactly, and, um, that's absolutely the truth. In my case, I throw pottery around. That's what I've done in the past. I still
1: have that piece of pottery.
2: Uh,
0: Shards? So,
2: uh, yeah. You know, I use and I still I have a great love for ceramics and and uh, and, and and would love to have my own studio someday. But uh, when I was in college, I made a lot of pieces and I learned a lot. Uh, in ceramics about this incredible process that goes from the very beginning concept to the very end. And there's so many things that can go wrong along the way. And I've always uh, said, I've used that analysis in in design illustration because one typo can ruin a, a wonderful ad of weeks and weeks of preparation. It, it the devil's in the details that's the thing that I preach all the time and and so one day I remember uh, I've done this every year I've run out of pottery so um, I actually have to to go out and buy some cheap pottery and pretend like it's mine so I can throw it against the, the wall but I threw some <laughs> ceramic pieces and I walked in and they all knew it was something I'd thrown and and they were all kind of ooing and aahing and here I just I threw it and it Exploded into a million pieces, and it got their attention really fast. And I, <laughs> them. I gave them each a shard of uh, that, and I told them to write their date on it and, and where it was, and to remember to put it on their, uh, you know, on their art table or whatever. So well, the story it,
1: about that was about it was a pancake
2: batter. mix Oh yeah, pancakes. that's exactly it was a pancake batter. This is for this. <laughs> oh my goodness, it is. It And it was one of my favorite pieces, but I threw it way too heavy and uh, it cracked on the bottom. So, you know, I brought it in and I said, what about this? What do you guys think? And they said, well, it's kind of interesting. We like it, blah, blah, blah. And and I said, but it's worthless. Look at this, it doesn't hold water. And I showed everybody the bottom of it. And I said, so basically it's worthless. And then I threw it on the floor. (laughs) uh, Nice. uh, So many intro
0: pottery students would say, well, couldn't I just jam a little more slip in there and fire it again?
2: Or maybe some super glue? No, smash it. There you go. Some super glue or duct tape. Duct tape would be awesome. (laughs) You had a good
1: analogy with that in that lecture.
2: Yeah, well, and that was perfect. And so that's kind of cool that maybe that connected with your pancakes and Pantones, which I loved right away. What's the
0: analogy that you remember? Um, Kayleigh. if
1: it doesn't, if your are designed to hold any water, it's worthless. So if it doesn't fix the, it can be as pretty as you want and it can look as good, but if it doesn't fix the problem, it, it's
2: a worthless yeah. design. Well, there's lots of, there's lots of those, uh, in there, you know, the typo and if it doesn't fit the bill, uh, you know, so much of the things, uh, in a lot of the, uh, Oh, contests and whatnot is eye candy, and and but does it really solve the process or solve the the problem? And of course, college students probably can't do that as much because, you know, they're they're made up, most of the time they're made up projects, etc., to get them uh, related to it. But they have to know that they have to solve the problem, and it's it's not just eye candy, it's not just their portfolio, um, that they they really have to. Make compelling imagery and to get people to stop and look and pay attention and so forth. So, Paul, it sounds like
0: um, you spent some time in the fine art studio as well in college. Is that true? Were you?
2: I I did. I was going to be a minister, and so I was going to I was just going to get my uh, 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 bachelor's and uh, and go from there. And I never really thought about teaching, but it's funny how your career paths change. You just have to take one day at a time. And uh, so I preach that all the time also to my students. They, don't, they always wonder, what, where am I going to get my job? And I'm going, who knows what you're going to be doing? Uh, I had never guessed I would have been a college instructor when I got out of
0: Did you participate in any fine art critiques back in the college? Because that's oh, a, a different kind of conversation, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, that, in that conversation, brutal. you could, um, well, and hopefully they were brutal. If they were too nice, it didn't really lead to anything. But it was a different conversation, it was usually like the artist got a chance to say what their intention was, you know, and what medium they're working in and what what they thought their outcome was going to be or could be, and then people could tell you, well, did you hit that outcome, did you actually achieve, or what did you, did something new happen that leads you in a new direction?
2: Yep, and uh, I did, and they were were really tough. If you went to one and you weren't prepared, you knew you were going to just get annihilated, and uh, um, I wish we had more time. As a two-year uh, community college, uh, we don't have a lot of time for it, but I we do do. Excuse me, we do a fair amount of of critiques. But again, uh, you always try to put a positive uh, to keep that. It's that narrow path, you know, keeping students invigorated, but also give them some really good feedback. Like this could be improved. That could be improved. We like uh, to
0: say a warm statement and a cool statement, and, yes, and you can think and I, of both,
2: then you're actually helping that person out a little bit. Yeah, and uh, it's tough because uh, they always ask me, well, what were yours like? And I just said, they were brutal. Uh, we had students leaving in tears many times, and uh, some of them didn't come back. And and uh, I guess that's, oh, boy, it's a tough one because, again, it's that creative keeping that creative juice going and not getting down on yourself to think like a duck.
0: You mentioned earlier about that, uh, you know, how to deal with criticism and, and fear a little bit about, you know, and in, in the fine art world, it was, you posed your own problem, you weren't solving a client's problem. And uh, right. and so it was really personal. And if people were tearing your work down, it felt like they were tearing you down. Uh, and right. so you had to keep the focus on the work and not on the person, which is really hard to do, especially if If I developed the problem myself and then tried to solve it, I might already have some feelings about how I may have not succeeded in that. But it's very personal. There's a book I read in college called Art and Fear. I can't remember the name of the author right now. But it talked about that being a studio practicing artist as well as a teacher, an educator, and uh, and a designer, and how your own fears and sensibilities about yourself, your skill level, play into that. how you receive criticism.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, I remember the same instructor, the same uh, teacher, excuse me, this guy that I worked for. uh, And he used to call, you know, the prima donna, you know. And there's that connection between fine art and the commercial side, uh, where regardless of what you do, there's a part of you that you put out there. There's a part of your soul that you put out, whether it's an identity or a painting or, or whatever. And, uh, uh, and you, there's just design is a process. I've learned that so much. It's a process and you gain so much from all the people that are involved in it. And, uh, uh, to, to know that you can't take things personally, that it's all about the client to give them a, a functional working, whatever website identity, whatever, and to not get so attached to it that you become that prima donna and you make comments that are, that are really not helpful to anybody. And again, it's, it's getting students to know the difference and to put their passion toward it, but also not to take, uh, to keep forging ahead. I had, a, I, had a, I had a teacher in college who always said, let's forge ahead, and I have always liked that. Forge ahead, you know, try to put the, the, the things that were negative or whatever, put that behind you, grow from it, and then forge ahead and try to do better.
0: One of the things I've enjoyed about uh, working in design for so long now is um, I can reserve my personal statement to art for myself and, and I can focus on, I don't have to think of a problem because people come to me with problems every day and certain designers I think as a personality like to identify and solve the problem. If you don't like to identify and solve the problem you might not be cut out for being you know, a lifetime as a designer, as a commercial artist.
2: Yep, absolutely. Great. Absolutely.
0: How are we doing, Kaylee?
2: We are doing
1: really well. We're at 22. So what I'm thinking is we, we wrap this up with some final words with you, Paul, about your advice to designers who are young. Maybe they're right out of college or maybe they're still in college That that are dealing with criticism, how it's harming their creativity. How can they combat this?
2: Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing it, it is that if I had something to say to young designers is keep your passion, but also know you have to work hard. Uh, I, I did this many times. I, I had to work on my typography. I had a love. I, I really wanted to be a designer. I think it's a great honor to, to, uh, to be a designer. Um, I always thought it'll be cool for my kids to say, my dad was an artist, you know, he was a, he was a creative, he was a graphic designer, illustrator, uh, and not, you know, he, you know, did some other, other job that his whole career was being an artist. And, uh, but I had to work hard at it. it, it it's not just something you get criticism for and then move on, uh, move on to, to something uh and pretend like it's going to be there you, you have to work at it you, if somebody says well your your line work needs to be better you don't just forget about it you go home that night and you work on your line work or if your typography needs to be better you buy books and you learn more you, 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 you look up Herb blue ballon and you study what he did with letter forms and things like that so uh just to take the criticism uh, think like a duck and then work hard on those elements, starting right away before your next critique. Just improve, get better and better, and take it completely seriously. So,
1: Well, that was good, Paul. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, very nice talking with you, Paul.
2: Yeah, I, I really appreciate this uh, opportunity, and we love the connection we have with BSU and hopefully we can continue to work together and send you more Kayleys and, and <laughs> Carleys and- There's businesses. only there's
0: only one Kaylee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but but that, anyway. yeah, send us more students like them though, for
2: sure. Okay, we'll do.
0: <laughs>
1: we'll have a safe trip call.
2: Thank you, happy, happy New Year, and thanks again, nice visiting with you both.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs> so we will start right here with Andrea White. <laughs> So a little bit about yourself, how sweet
3: who you are. Who am I? Well, um, I'm a 32-year-old design instructor out of Alexandria, Minnesota. Um, kind of got my start at the same school I'm teaching at now, so have kind of gone the rounds of anything from working in sign shops to um, was a creative director, a web designer, and now back to teaching, which actually all of those skills are pretty handy when you're teaching all of those skills,
0: so yeah. Very cool. I'm Mitch Blessing, by the way. Nice to meet you, Andrea.
3: Yes, I've heard the name. So.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Likewise. Uh, yeah, I had a design company here in Bemidji and learned web design, and I uh, was a creative director for about nine years before I came to BSU, and this is my third year teaching at BSU. Okay, it's an awesome. interesting path that takes us. It is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, and just a forewarning, not every guest will be a teacher. I just felt that... <laughs> These two sure. were probably the best first guests on the first episode
0: of, Dealing,
1: of Pantons and Pancakes. I felt like it was Pantons just a good pancakes. it was a given. And since they were the first to ever like impact me heavily as a designer, I felt that it was probably, it was just a a no-brainer. Let's be honest. It's so like you can make all the mistakes on this first episode. We made plenty with Paul. <laughs> and now we are hopefully learning. <laughs> So we talk a lot with Paul about like dealing with criticism in college and how students need to combat it and learn how to grow from it and be willing to take the criticism and apply it to their work and stuff like that in that nature. So maybe a good way to start is to tell the story how the first oh, time... I'm I'm really sorry. You have a kid. My baby just started crying we hold for one
3: oh,
0: second yeah, oh take yeah take it's time. it's
3: good take your
0: time <laughs> <The> chair, like, <laughs> She's moved. out. she set it up nicely though she, she knew she's like a be cute doing. little
1: background i should be yeah. like video recording this
0: one. between two ferns have you seen those uh between
1: zach two ferns. The, Galif- the dogs
0: zach Galfinakis. he just yes. does interviews with guys between you know, with people between two ferns have you
1: seen the will ferrell one mm-hmm. that one is Mm-hmm. I'll put a link in the description.
0: <laughs> I think there was a um, Charlize Theron one though that was amazing because she's funny. She did it.
1: You know, right when you said between two ferns, I automatically thought um, the the dog movie where the red fern grows. Oh yeah, dog book. That's the first thing.
0: <laughs> I'm like, uh, why are you talking about? Yeah, now stop the time. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, hey, <laughs> probably this interview with me.
0: <laughs> special guest star. Right. Hi. Yeah.
3: <laughs> this is this is my alternate life
0: <laughs> Hi, cutie. teaching.
3: I mean, still teaching, just in a different capacity. So.
0: My alternate's eleven years old now. And she knows yeah. everything. Right. Yeah. I remember when she was that small. <laughs>
1: So, oh, I don't even remember
0: where we were. I think we're just warming up here. We're chill. Yeah.
1: yeah. I might use some of this content, but.
0: I, I want to know how did you, how, before we start about the critique, I want to know how you got into teaching from being a, like, a creative director and an artist, commercial artist.
3: Right. So, um, actually, kind of fell into the trap of growing up in a small town. Um, not wanting to move away. I did move away for a short while and, um, ended up back home, no job opportunities. Right. And, um, was welcomed to do some adjuncting and really fell in love with it. Oh, maybe I should teach. And they were like, well, we are going to retire at some point here. And I was like, well, that's a good point. Um, and so I went back to school and um, kind of just pursued other things until teaching became an opportunity. I, I had felt like I didn't really want to teach just anywhere. I really wanted to teach at the tech school that I do teach at, which I went to. Um, I found their, their sort of motto for how they go about teaching design really kind of clicked with me. And so I thought I'd be a good fit to
1: teach in that. so. Thank you we talked a lot about with Paul about how criticism is a lot different in college than it is in the real world and do you want to like elaborate a little bit on that like how it differs from you getting criticism from your teacher as a student versus like your creative director comes into your office and goes i i want to see this and this like how- great So I might not, I might
3: not actually be the best uh, interview candidate for that because, um, well, I have Craig Beardy, you know Craig Beardy, right? So Kaylee does, Um, and uh, so he's super critical, right? And tells you like this is garbage, start over. Um, And so that was great for me in college, Um, and I've I've never actually worked somewhere. Where my creative director was as intense um some of the places I worked was kind of like, "Hey, new ideas, just do whatever." I kind of had the opposite problem, like no criticism, um and that was really an issue for trying to like grow my skill set, like just tell me what to do, tell me how to make it better, tell me something, anything, and um, yeah, I didn't get a lot of harsh criticism on the job um. I had other lessons, though so I don't know.
0: I think that's actually very difficult. Not getting any feedback is almost more difficult than how to deal with a lot of negative feedback. What did you do? What was your solution if you didn't have any direction?
3: Um, well, one of my positions, I kind of just decided this isn't the right fit for me. Uh, kind of thought, like, I'm doing all that I can, and I felt like my creative director wasn't really hadn't really earned her stripes as a creative director. Like it was a family owned company. And I thought, you know, she's just kind of lackadaisical in how she goes about this. And there were days where I was like trying to find things to do and I thought like, I, I just don't really like that. I need I need to be driven to work hard. And um, and so that's at that point that I had moved back home. Um, I When I was a creative director before I my superior at that point she was a very um energetic and passionate sort of individual, and so she was more of a kind of a co co dreamer co conspirator and that was really um exciting for me and helped me to grow but I was still kind of on my own in the the creative kind of bringing it to fruition and she really trusted my judgment so um yeah I guess with her probably I mean, I remember telling her things it was more deadlines and um, huge job load for me that was a, an issue at that position and um, I'd have projects on my desk and I'd, I just thought, um, sometimes I would tell her, just tell me which tell me which is more important tell me which one I have to just let go like done is better than perfect, and I need you to tell me that this one is done, otherwise I won't have time to complete both projects it's not going to happen but,
0: yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Um, That's different, isn't it? Um, So, you did graphic design in college as well, and then you went on to a professional, maybe short, but a professional career as a designer. How were those projects and deadlines different in the college environment versus in the professional environment?
3: Sure. So, I think in college, you always kind of have that um, the client isn't real sort of scenario, and so you just you're you're kind of allowed to dream a little bit bigger, or um, not have to think about you don't have to think about you know is this actually going to be able to be made um, those kind of things and even when when your instructors try right as an instructor I try to give my students a little glimpse of that but it, it's just not real um, when you're when you're out in the workforce it's like yeah everything counts right how many inks how many everything's and um it's definitely i don't know it just keeps projects just keep coming right there's no mid semester break there's no um actually that's a, one of the bigger things too is there's no actual like you have a project that starts and ends and then you start another project and then that one starts and ends it's like you're working on 10 projects simultaneously and before any of those have ended you've started new ones it was really hard to kind of celebrate the successes because there were already new projects. Yeah. Problems to be solved.
0: Exactly. You're going to put in your 40 hours, and there will be projects, as long as you're there, there will always be eight projects open.
3: Right.
0: Right. Yeah, we were talking about some of our other BSU students who like design in the sense that they like to come in for class, design for an hour and a half, and then go home. And uh, one project at a time. And we're wondering if some of those are the people that are really going to go and make it, you know. Or if they find something else to do. Right.
3: So I have students who, um, same thing, right? They just are like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit burnt out. Or, you know, and I'm going, well, you've only been designing for six hours this week. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what you're going to be doing all the time. And then... I mean, problem solved. Like, you have to be able to work through, um, even when you're not feeling inspired, you have to do work. And count on some of your design sensibilities to just kind of carry through the uninspired moments of yeah. not everything is going to be the being travel, right? <laughs> like, some things are going to be not your best work, but they need to get done.
0: Well, Kaylee and I were talking about it. It's almost, uh, for designers who really are, who do it for their whole lives, it's almost a curse that you can't really go take a job at the postal service or the library. You're, you have to derive your self-worth from being a designer, which means you're doing it all the time, whether or not you're getting paid. And so, right. that for, for those type of individuals, this is the type of job that you want, where you have problems coming at you all the time that you get to try to solve.
3: Right you get to try to solve. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Problem solving. It's great. So with self-confidence as a young creative, like your, your, I feel like your confidence is like an egg. Like you, someone could just say something and it's like an egg, like hitting the floor. And thanks. I'm thankful because as when I was even younger, like a, a child, I had a dad that would tear me apart to say the least. And, with Then I had Craig in college when I was learning how to design, who would just, like, yell at your face, like, yell in your face about how much you, like, you're going to be a Walmart worker with your blue vest, and you shouldn't even be here, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I got that, so my it's pretty hard for me to have someone yell at me and me feel, like, affected by it, but I know for a majority of people they didn't have that Craig Beer key in their lives and they're gonna like hit that person that isn't a fr- that isn't gonna Paul Johnson it to you. They're gonna they're gonna give it to you hard. And do you have anything to say to that person who's dealing with like self-confidence as a designer, like they're struggling with their confidence due to like harsh criticism? Like do you have any Well so I
3: think there's a couple
1: of reasons
3: why a student might be struggling with self-confidence, right? So some of it might be harsh criticism. Some of it's criticism at all, right? So students kind of have this, um, you go through high school, elementary grades, whatever, anytime you're creative, right? Like that art is for you, it's for yourself. and You make it and your mom's proud, She puts it on the fridge or your teacher says, oh, good job, right? And, and you don't get a lot of feedback. You don't get a lot of that. You might get told, oh, like you really love to draw. You're good at it. You're good at that then you get to college and someone tells you maybe you're not the best at that or maybe you have some growing to do and they might do that in a friendly way and they might do that in kind of not a friendly way and students take it so personally because their art is them is what they feel like and one of the first things that I try to share with students is that well especially in design right like your design is not you your design is a problem being solved for a client and so if you're getting feedback where it's not working then you're not solving the problem in a way that they need it solved. And so it's just like, okay, I'll start over. I need like my job is to solve the problem, right? Not just to make what I want to make. And and that's probably the number one thing is understanding maybe the difference between design and creativity or art um, as a, he knows. a sort of a, a, a This kid gets it. it. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> On that note knowing that your design is just like something that's solving a problem and it's not you,
2: how do you know
1: when to like fight for that design and like push push it for when someone gives you criticism or they're like oh, I really like to see that in blue you know that type of criticism and How, how is a young designer who barely has their stripes yet but you and you know that this design is not you don't want it to be blue not just because you don't like it but because it doesn't solve the problem, how do you like, um, what's that word? Like
0: Educate. That. Yeah. Right.
3: So I think, um, I think as a as a young creative, I think before before even the education and the the arguing for your work begins, you need to be well versed in how to communicate your ideas because. If, like you said, Kaylee, you kind of alluded to that it's not because I don't like blue, right? Here's why blue isn't going to work. And you need to be able to say that competently and confidently in a way that they understand you to be the professional and take you for your word. And I think all you can do is really like give it your best sell, right? Here is why I made all of the decisions I made, here's why I thought about blue, and why I and if they say, but I want it blue, then you say, all right, I will make it the best blue whatever you've yeah. ever
0: seen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I like tell my students. That turd. <laughs> I tell my students this, too. It doesn't matter what answer you give me. You just need to be able to explain your answer. It's like math showing your work. Like, you right. just need to be able to tell me why you chose blue and what you think it does to solve the problem. And I may or may not like it. But you've done your work. You're prepared. And how you present it sometimes, you know, um, I'll put your blue up against my red, and we will look at them together, and we'll talk about the problem. So for a young creative, I think having the confidence might not always be there, but being prepared to speak about your own decisions can always be there. And then the more you're prepared and the more you have these conversations, the more confidence you'll have about The more
3: confidence you'll have. And also I think... For me a lot of it was sort of the fake it till you make it you know like coming across like sounding prepared, right being as prepared as you can be and then faking it even if you're not 100 percent confident and then like you said the more over time that you do that the more your confidence is genuine right like you really do have these opinions and they do matter and mean what you say and uh, I I feel like for me, I mean, like as a creative director, that was totally an on-the-job learning situation for me. I mean, there were, it was like, hey, I've never, you know, sent a magazine to print before, but let's figure it out, you know. But I didn't go into it like, well, I've never done this before and go all timid and, you know, be a pushover like my boss. It was like, this is what the cover of a magazine should be like. Here's why I believe that, you know. Yes, we're going to have to deal with these kind of, Ink situations or whatever it was, and you just figure it out and solve the problem and gather all of your resources that you can. Um,
2: and then by the end
3: of you know the time I was there, it's like, oh, your third magazine is no problem because you solved all those problems the first time around.
0: Yeah. Can you? Um, it made me think of one more question. Uh, can you talk about um, that transition from being the young artist who was getting critiqued in school and in professional work? to being in a position of responsibility for the quality of work, possibly having a couple people working with you or for you, and delivering critique, and then moving into teaching and delivering critique.
3: Right. So I think for me, that was a really hard transition, because um, as a creative, I had received, um, just speaking of my last position prior to teaching, um, I had started out there as a web designer, and I had received a lot of praise for my work, and so it was you know, you're doing a good job, we'll give you more work, or you're doing an even better job, we'll keep giving you work, and, you know, hey, why don't you take some of the workload off of the print designers, and do some of that work, and I'm like, hey, whatever you need me to do, right, you're paying me to be creative, and you're paying me to design things, and I will design them, like, whatever they are, and so I did that, and then I was um, kind of pulled pulled into this leadership position, where I was like, well, I guess, you know, like who doesn't want to raise, or <laughs> whatever it was, and um, it was really hard to kind of move into a position where then I was responsible for all of the creative, even though i wasn 't creating it and um part of that was you know sometimes it's like speaking to someone who maybe has been employed there longer than you um, or someone who might be a little more familiar with the brand than you even are is kind of interesting as well, um but also being the one who's adaptable and embracing change and to move things ahead. So I had to kind of strike a balance. Um and I'll say I don't know if I ever quite figured it out as a creative director. I don't know right, I don't know that I really um because there's people's feelings at stake and like emotions are hard. And so you know not knowing how to really go at something um and say, hey, you know, that's just not working. We're gonna have to start over. Or, I mean, even helping people with their workload or it was like trying to figure out like, what is, how can I get the best work out of you? And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out like, what was preventing the highest quality of work? Was it like lack of education or was it um, time management or um, like non-familiarity with some of the software or what was it? Like, can I help you solve that problem? Right. So I'm solving a whole different problem. It wasn't even related to design. It's just like people working. And, um, and that was real, I think that was really drained me. And then also because I was a working manager, so I wasn't like just directing. I was also having to make a lot of things. And like that was, that was exhausting to say the least. But teaching, teaching has been a little bit different. Um, and I think from, from that perspective, I think I've told students before, you know, I just don't want you to become somebody's headache. (laughs) Like, I want you to be someone who is a good teammate and someone who takes critique well, um, and someone who learns how to communicate their ideas so that you can be the best designer you can be on a part of whatever team you're on. And so, um, so a lot of my critique for students is like how to get that out of them. I think it's easier as a teacher. Students are still emotional, but it's expected. You're like, I need, I need you to get over these emotions now so you don't bring them to the workplace.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. In the workplace, I was really uncomfortable with uh, telling other people what to do. I'm not, that's not really my personality. And so when I struggled, I think the thing that got me to where I needed to be was seeing myself as the champion of good design and taking our personalities out of the equation and just saying, these are what right. we need, these are the things we need to do to make sure this design is as good as possible. And if none of you are seeing this typo, how come I'm the only one seeing it? I think you could agree once you see it, this needs to be fixed. So it's not right. about I don't like you, it's about you know, whoever maybe yeah. sometimes the the loudest or pickiest person in the room maybe is supposed to be that project manager to a point. Right. So right. I think another thing that young creatives don't really realize is coming towards them as if you are good and are a good designer and you're responsible you will be in charge at some point you will be in charge of other people and you have to you have to accept that i think that's
3: true wherever you whether you're creative or not right like if you if you show competence and initiative like you will rise through wherever you are you'll find
0: yourself there and you either have to accept it or go find something else but you'll always move up and be expected to move up
3: right and I think I mean as a as a creative challenged in the role of having to manage and lead others um I wouldn't I mean I would say it was hard for me to get used to but it was a good growing experience and I think a lot of those things are uncomfortable but being uncomfortable like in that discomfort that's where
0: you have the opportunity to grow right yeah like you and when you have to explain your when you have to explain your ideas or your decisions or your feelings about something it helps clarify what your feelings are I mean right. I learn a lot when I am forced to explain it to somebody else right
3: a hundred percent I love
0: the, the special guest today. That's pretty cute. <laughs> I'm watching this. <laughs> I want to hold the baby. little bald spot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that.
1: Yeah, Mitch can do all, like, the baby holding. holding. <laughs> so I'm, I'm less about it. They describe me. I, like, look at that baby and I'm like, oh.
3: Yeah, I remember Kaylee. When you were in school and I was pregnant, I think she thought it was contagious.
0: It was from for me. I remember the
1: first time you showed up with your baby, it was just sitting on the floor and you were like doing something on the other side of the room and everybody was like around it. So the first thing I thought was it's like a puppy or it's something because I didn't see her right a away. Puppy. And then I saw that it was a baby on the floor and I'm like, nope. And I like, turned turn around and I walked out of there.
0: <laughs> Our baby was born when my wife and I were still in grad school and I remember my major professor... Seeing the baby, and everybody was like, Oh, how cute! And my made professor was just like, Well, you're done with this program. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> clarify, I think you finished. I, I finished. He finished,
0: I finished the program. I yes. see babies like yours now, and I instantly just start to kind of bounce. It's just built yeah. in. I <laughs> suppose it's
1: probably time. Do you have any like last remarks for that young creative that might be listening to this that doesn't? but they're just learning, you know, like they're just little babies. Do you have any like words of wisdom for them? I feel
3: like design is, it's definitely a learned skill. And I think that students a lot of times or young creatives, um, whether they're actually formally being taught, right, we should always be students, lifetime students, learners. Um, but like it is a learned skill. You don't just, you don't wake up a good designer one day or a great designer like you constantly seek out great design inspiration and pick it apart and figure out what's working and what isn't working and why um, if you can't see what's working and what isn't working like seek out resources to help you be able to recognize those things because um, if otherwise you're just kind of wasting your time like you're just gonna keep doing like your ideas come from what you know. So if you just keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting change, right? Like that's the definition of insanity, right? So you have to you have to find new ways to solve a problem and new ways to think about how to solve problems so that you can keep growing as a designer.
0: I like that. That was
1: good. Yeah. Thank you, Andrea, for your time.
3: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you both. Nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you, Mitch. Yeah. See ya. Bye-bye.
0: All right. Looks like it's working. That (laughs) pancake was delicious. That conversation with Paul and Andrea was really fun. I think I'm going to order a beer chaser. (laughs) I finish before the your next meeting.
1: Large half of this bloody mary before this meeting I have to go to. Will maybe make me more relaxed. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous. So, I think a good that was good conversation and some good takeaways I thought were when Paul said he wanted to be the teacher that he never had. I thought that, that was really something that like we can all relate to a little bit when you want to be what you just didn't have. That's the whole reason I started this podcast was to like be the thing, to make the thing I didn't have. Do you have any thing about or like, knowing the difference between passion and being a prima donna?
0: Yeah, yeah, that sticks out. Um, you know, a thing that came to mind when we were talking about this conference and critique is I think you and I both uh, for whatever reason didn't really struggle with a lot of self-confidence issues we had plenty of self-confidence so we had other lessons to learn and so when we got criticized for things we could probably just kind of take it in stride or more often than not when I was young I would just say well you sir don't know what you're talking about I clearly have the answer already or if someone a teacher would tell me how to do something um, I would say well that's that's great I bet I can do it better my way and so those lessons that I had to learn were about, you know, when people who've done this before give you advice, take it. At least, at least try it out, you know. Don't just write it off and think you already know better. Um, and that works whether or not you have a high level of self-confidence. That was my takeaway from both of them. I think they both clearly are good teachers. They're passionate about teaching, and they're designers in their own right, too.
1: Andrea something that she said that I there were two things it was um, no criticism is worse than harsh criticism yeah. and sometimes I, I can think to times when I've had clients tell me to change something for the 11,000th time and that frustration is now that I think about it is probably better mm. than having them not tell me to change anything yeah. and then it wouldn't be solving the problem to begin with and then the other thing was that you're like a lifetime student as a designer because technologies and design is an ever-changing, evolving thing. You never quit learning, and if you quit learning, then that's when you like, quit growing as a, as a designer, and that can apply to just about anything in any field or industry. Any a
0: designer on. at any age, from the young designer to the career person to the retiring educator, that applies to all of them. I sure hope that if you're riding that train from what is it, D.C. to
1: driving my Dodge Caliber from Capitol Hill, D.C. to Chantilly, Virginia.
0: I sure hope that uh, if you're out there and you find Pantones and pancakes, that you you at least got a little something out of this conversation and at least got you from point A to point B.
1: Yeah, that would and will help you get from point A to point B in your career, like not just in your commute. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I like what you did there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I pulled that together.
0: <laughs> I'm also thankful to uh, Bemidji State University and the tuition differential that's allowing this whole thing to, st- to start up and go.
1: Shout out to Drew.
0: Yeah, thank we got you, Drew our back. Graham.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, All right. and anyway, we'll wrap this up.
0: Happy editing. Yeah, yeah
1: bye-bye.